0: Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked on Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 7th of November. It is Monday, 2022. On today's show, a look back at the weekend that was in the Big 12. Texas takes out Kansas State. Baylor stays alive. TCU remains undefeated. Iowa State gets that first win. Oh yeah, Kansas is going bowling in 2022. A whole lot to get to uh, today on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Thank you guys for making us a part of your day. Please subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, basically five, six days a week, at least five and and normally six days a week of Big 12 content. So make sure you guys are dialed in on your podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at L.O. Big 12. Uh, this was a spectacular weekend for college football. Really a weekend where I think we got a lot of clarity as I put the glasses on. for uh, it's, it's game time now to get down to it. But we got we got a lot of clarity, I thought, this weekend across the country. A lot of the title races that we're seeing, like the ACC has been crystallized, right? We already kind of know that. The SEC, I think it was their weekend with the Georgia-Tennessee game. And then obviously you had the LSU-Alabama game, which was mad exciting. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and LSU gets that win. That, that title game is pretty crystallized. I mean, if LSU takes uh, you know takes control the rest of the way – and they they keep doing their thing. They'll be in good shape. They're 5 and 1, Ole Miss is 4 and 1, Alabama's uh, 4 and 2, and LSU has a tie break over both. They're at Arkansas, they're at AM, they have UAB in the middle of that. So, even if they split those results, um you still feel pretty good unless Ole Miss goes ahead and beats Alabama, which I don't think is going to happen. But still, you guys, you guys kind of get the point of what I'm saying here. You know that that race we've got a, a top dog now in the SEC West. It's LSU. Georgia takes control of the East. So that 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 kind of is resolved there uh, right now. The Pac-12 still still up for grabs, right? There, there's still uh, you know some maneuvering that can happen. It feels like it feels like Oregon. Has got a pretty good clamp right now uh, on that first spot. Once again, they're still playing their divisional schedule, but Oregon, uh, but they're they're doing the top two teams, in the title game. Oregon 6-0. They still have games left against Washington, Utah, and Oregon State. But Washington and Utah come to them. And with the way they've been playing right now, you know, I think it's really tough to, to see a situation where they miss out. That Utah game is going to be the big decider. In that Pac-12 race, but you got to feel good with where they've been playing, and the fact that it is at home. Uh, if they hand Utah a second loss, it just becomes simple. The winner of USC and UCLA will uh, decide who the you know who is going to be the second team. And USC has got Colorado and UCLA left. Uh, you know, I don't think UCLA's schedule is is considerably any more difficult. So really, it feels like if, if Oregon beats Utah, those two will figure it out uh, for that final spot. And then also uh, the Big Ten, you know, it's Michigan, it's Ohio State. That's the real Big Ten title game. We just saw Illinois lose to Michigan State at home. It really does not feel like it it matters who comes out of the West. That team from the Big Ten East is going to be your champion. Well, the Big 12 this weekend, if you think about us in relation to everybody else, and I'll say us because, yeah, it's the conference that that I cover. So think about, you know, the, the schools that we're looking at here. Uh the Big 12 is it's four teams. It is a four-team race, and I could see all four of them in the Big 12 title game. Obviously, TCU has pole position right now. The teams behind them with two losses, it's Texas at four and two, Baylor at four and two, and Kansas State at four and two. And the fun thing is, everybody's still, I mean, everybody's really gonna play everybody the rest of the way. Kansas State still has to play Baylor, Baylor still has to play Kansas State. Texas and TCU. So, I mean, they got a tough schedule, but they control their own destiny the rest of the way. Texas still has to play, as I mentioned, Baylor and TCU. And so this, this thing is far from over. I mean, sure, TCU's up front, but if TCU were to lose their next two games, there's a chance they could get knocked out of the Big 12 title game. Uh, you know, if Baylor, you know, if Baylor, uh, they, they'll own that tiebreaker, right? If Texas and Baylor both beat him, that puts TCU in a tough spot. Uh, you know, consider it to also toss Kansas State in there too, but still, like, this thing is far, far from over, even for the top team in the league. And that's what makes this so exciting. I thought it would be some separation Saturday. All we did in the Big 12 was drop one team, and that was, uh, that was Oklahoma State, right? With their loss to Kansas, uh, you know, those are not crossing off those three law schools just yet, but, uh, you know, you basically can, so it's still a four team race and a 10 team league, which means 40% of the league guys is still in it. Now that we've played nine games, which is I think pretty awesome uh, to think. So let's get to the action from this weekend, Texas outlasts Kansas state, this game, guys, I'm kind of, you know, talk about what were the deciding factors and the big takeaways from this game. Um, Texas's defense getting the stop that it needed in a game that looked like a lot of other Texas games, right? Texas puts up 31 points in the first half. Uh, half. They're up 31 to 10. And it felt like there were some moments where Texas could have even gotten further ahead, but they got stopped in the red zone. They fumbled in the red zone. And you're just thinking, man, they're not, they're not putting this game away. This thing looks familiar. Kansas State claws all the way back. They have the ball, the chance to tie the game late. And I know it would have been tough to go down the field and get all the way down for a touchdown, but they force the fumble on Adrian Martinez. They recover it. Pete defense comes up big. And we love to discuss the Texas offense. It's a fun offense to watch. It's got a lot of great players, a lot of future NFL players. At all, I mean, all of those guys, whether it's Roshan Johnson, B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy, J.T. Sanders, Jordan Whittington, et cetera, and some of those guys in the offensive line as well, those are all going to be NFL players. We assume Quinn Ewers, if he keeps progressing, will also be an NFL player. But the big story to me in this game was the Texas run defense. We knew it could be good. When you add Adrian Martinez in, they didn't know he was going to play or not. You know, it's another element of the rushing game that they had to account for, and they did a spectacular job. They limited a rushing offense that's normally over five yards a carry. I forgot in total what it was coming into the game. But coming into the game or uh, you know uh, exiting the game, they still rushed for five and a half yards a carry, Kansas State does. They held them on the ground at just four yards a carry. It was tough slugging for Deuce Vaughn on the ground. Adrian Martinez, 14 rushes, 52 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. Deuce Vaughn, 3.8 yards per carry. Texas did a great job. Of limiting what Kansas State wanted to do on the ground. Now Kansas State did throw the ball on them, kind of on en route to coming back. They were able to make some plays in that passing game to get them down the field to come back in this game. But Texas ultimately in the fourth quarter was able to put themselves up ten, and, uh, you know, and then make it. It was a field goal game, three point game, four twenty six left. They still gave the ball back. The offense could nice. It was on the defense and the defense made the plays it had to. We've watched Texas lose this game a a lot. And there are a lot of good teams in the Big 12. Like It's such an even conference that, you know, that's why the results that we saw last week, Texas Tech getting blown out by Baylor and, uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma State getting shelled by Kansas State. That's why those results are not the norm. And results like TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas, Kansas State, Kansas State, TCU, are more regular because these teams are more even. And, you know, you felt like in that environment that eventually Texas or Kansas State was going to come back, they did. And Texas got the stops that it needed. They finally held up late in this game. Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson were awesome on the ground. I know Roshan had to fumble, but those two guys carried the load. The two touchdown passes to Xavier Worthy were uh, you know, they basically semi similar play design. And uh I mean on one of those Worthy, they just completely toasted Boydo, uh, who's a fantastic corner. Also noting Julius Brent went out earlier, earlier in this game. they had to deal with that with a targeting penalty, which it sucked to say that happened early, but it was it was the right call. And um, you know, I thought Texas just kind of weathered the entire environment, entire storm, the whole thing really well and getting to this result was important for them. This to me, I think when you think about like one of the best wins, you know, maybe the most meaningful win in the Sark era, Is that forty-nine to nothing over rival Oklahoma? That's huge. But the win that I look at—that—that kind of cements them. And look, they're a Big Twelve title challenger. They're really now a Big Twelve title contender. They're in this fight. They're there, and they've got opportunities against Baylor and and uh, also against uh, TCU. Maybe two games. I mean, I think they're probably both going to be favored in those in those games. They control their own destiny now. With three games left to make a Big Twelve title game. I know they've got three losses overall. I know that you know that they lost the Texas Tech game, uh, that was you know not too impressive. The Oklahoma State debacle was was not very good either. But this Texas team, at their best, even not at their A plus game, like I'd say this was maybe their uh, considering how kind of all things went down B plus game maybe. It's still ridiculously hard to beat them. On the decision to go. With and that's why I think this is maybe the most meaningful win on the road against this team with a quarterback that we that looked really horrible in his first road start. Uh, to have the defense play well, to have the offense explode in the first half and get you where you needed to be. That's just, I think it's really good for Kansas State. A lot of what we talked about of did they make the right decision going with Adrian Martinez over Will Howard? Um, I think once again, like with the extra rushing element that he adds, it's important, but you could also say, Hey, Texas has stopped the run really well this year. So does it help you so much? Should you go on with the more pure passer? Yeah, but still Adrian Martinez moved the ball really effectively in the air in this game. So I think it's a, it's a debate. Yeah. Sure. You could have, but it was what, like 3.9 or 9.1 yards per throw that Kansas state was averaging. They were able to carve up um, Texas pretty well. The interception was really bad. Sure. But like Will Howard's also thrown some bad interceptions in his day. I know he didn't throw any last week, but there were some bad throws last week. So, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say you know after the game's over now that that Chris Kleiman made the wrong decision playing Adrian Martinez as opposed to Will Howard I think it's a, it's a debate it's conversation you could probably be on the side that they say well they play will Howard but still there was some effective stuff they did with Martinez not like the offense got shut out but um, yeah Texas put them on put it on on the first half a little bit and then that second half rally came and they weathered the storm. And now we've got ourselves a really exciting three-way race for that second place spot and an exciting four-way title race. Quick word now, our sponsors on today's show, today's Locked On Big 12 podcast, is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You guys can go there today to post your job for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the most qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. The team, obviously, at the top that is next is TCU. Um, they dilly-dallied in in their win against Texas Tech. And I'm not, it's you know, it's not all on TCU. I thought Texas Tech's defense did a very good job. I thought in coverage, they were really good for a lot of this game. I, I, I thought that they did a good job, at, um, you know, blanketing a lot of the TC wide receivers. I thought it made it really difficult, and also. They got some big stops on fourth down. And once again, I know Quentin Johnston was not out there for a lot of this game. But uh, Texas Tech defense, shout out to them for keeping this thing close. The problem is that TCU offense is just inevitable. The amount of options they have, especially when they're blocking well, Miller, DeMarcado, Savion Williams, Tay Barber, Darius Davis, the, and I mean, both the passing and the return game. They just have such a variety of weapons that they can use to hit you. And even, you know, though they did not play very well. And I think this team's starting to run out a little bit of gas just because they've been playing every single week. And, you know, I mean, there have been no easy games for TCU ever since their bye week. Once again, folks, the bye came before SMU. So they had two games and they had a bye, which is just it's ridiculous scheduling to have a bye week two weeks into the football season. They were at SMU in a rivalry game, Oklahoma at home at Kansas when Kansas was, you know, and they're still good, but like, you know, that was when Kansas was rolling Oklahoma state when they were a top 10 team and had everybody there, Kansas state at night, you know, I was at home, but still a huge game at West Virginia on the road at noon that we were to start. And then Texas tech with big noon kickoff. I mean, this is just banger after banger after banger. It's seven straight games where there's really no there's no relief in sight. It's a big game for every team that they're playing, and they've weathered the storm. They're starting to deal with injuries. I I, I have a tough time thinking they're going to make it through this thing all the way undefeated just because you start losing Quentin Johnson, and I'm not sure Max Duggan is 100% healthy, dealt with that calf last week still not 100% sold. Could be wrong, but you know, like we'll, we'll see. But the fact that they were able just to pour it on in that fourth quarter, and it could have been 28 points. Let's be honest. I mean, they went for that fourth down inside the five, and Tex Tech did a great job stopping them. But there is a chance at one point that this game they could have gone up. What it was, it was um, going into that fourth quarter. It was 13. Uh, they were down 17-13, right? Going into that fourth quarter, there is a chance that at one point it could have been 41-17, right? That late score actually made the, the score line a bit closer. But TCU is just able to hit guys, and you saw it in that fourth quarter. Who'd they hit? Darius Davis was involved. Amari Di Mercado, who had 11 carries today, gets that catch. It's just this only catch yet had all day. Guess what? It went for a touchdown as well. Darius Davis scores the pair, like I mentioned. They've got an offensive-minded coach in Sonny Dykes, a really good offensive coordinator, in Garrett Riley, they understand what they have and they know how to help facilitate getting all of these guys, the football, and they're all flourishing. I mean, these guys could all probably be guys who get, you know, six, seven, eight catches. Let's you know, Tay Barber, get that guy, six, seven catches a game. If he's elsewhere, Savion Williams, I'd get him more than you know, one or two catches. He had the yellow catch last week. He did one catch 38 yards. Darius Davis is a guy as a playmaker that you probably want to get the football more to. Right. Uh, but they find ways, you know, these guys don't all get the volume, but it's, it's just, it's mixed. They do such a good job. You know, you haven't heard a guy's name, Savion Williams all day. Nabs a big catch catch. They haven't thrown the ball. To Tay Barber a whole lot. Gets a big grab. Savion Williams, D Mercado. he hadn't caught a pass all day. He's wide open catches one scores the third goal from the 16. I mean, they are just so dangerous. Uh, I'm not comparing Max Duggan to Patrick Mahomes, but the one thing about those chiefs teams it felt like they could score or, you know, any down and distance you gave Tyreek Hill and uh, you know, even like guys like Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman and uh, um, uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, you give those guys a down and distance, like, all right, third and goal from the 12, you know what I mean? Or third and, uh, third and 16 from wherever, like they could pick up the yardage and not just that they could score a touchdown from any place on the field because there's, they just understand, you know, where everybody's going to be. And, for most of the game, it didn't feel like that. The fourth quarter, though, it's just, can you keep these guys off the scoreboard? And it's really difficult to do. And they they found their stride and they got it done. The quarterback situation at Texas Tech is just so interesting because you want to play the Baron Morton in the future. But with the way Zach Kitley's offense operates, there's just so much for the quarterback. I mean, I know it's a lot of shorter throws, but like you put a lot on him. You know, you, there's a lot riding on that quarterback spot. And I'm not sure Baron Morton, is ready for that weekend and week out. And so he actually might be banged. Well, I think they're all banged up, but they went away from him. They went to shock. It didn't go much better. So shout out to TCU's defense. This was probably the best game that TCU's defense has played this year. They allow 352 total yards of offense. They actually let tech go for five yards a pop, but tech couldn't run the ball later on in the game because they were, or in that fourth quarter, at least because they were you know, then trailing and had to get themselves back in it. But um you know, TCU to play the clean game, no turnovers, which is obviously good to see. They won that battle. They won the time of possession. And they end up getting a 10-point win and just keep rolling. So the Horn Frogs 9-0. It's starting with the fact that they play Baylor in, in, in Texas next, so it's going to be really difficult. And Texas goes first, obviously, I know. It's going to be tough to keep this thing rolling, keep it sustainable all the way. But TCU 9-0. And while everybody's kind of dropping back this weekend, it looks like the horn Frogs, because Clemson lost, Tennessee lost, Alabama lost. I don't think they'll jump Tennessee, but I do think that they're going to slide right into that fourth spot. If you drop Clemson, if you drop Bama back, uh, TCU at number seven, there's a a good argument for them at four or five. We will see where they go. All right, uh, Kansas is going bowling. Uh, This game, number one, was decided because we did not see uh spencer sanders that must be noted it was interesting that they went with the oklahoma state went with garrett wrangle at quarterback because mike gundy's son gunner was the one who came in last week and mike decided to go with uh, garrett wrangle wrangle has not been in that offensive system as long gunner gundy has been there longer but wrangle i think was a four star and a pretty highly touted guy so i think that was why they wanted to go with him and see where they had. And, And look. I don't think he played terribly. I mean, he threw three interceptions. They were not all, I didn't think they were all his fault. But um, that that is not an easy spot for a guy. Short week with a depleted team, going to that game, you know, he put up the best effort that he could. The real story here, though, let's just go the rest of the way now on the Jayhawks. And also, let's just talk about Devin Neal. You know, the story this week was, hey, Jalen Daniels, come back. Jalen Daniels, come back. Um, he's not back yet. But a guy that I think we'd almost forgotten about in terms of players and how good they are was Devin Neal 32 carries for 224 yards and a touchdown six catches and 110 yards combines for 334 yards of offense on four uh, on a 38 touches in this game he is a star player in this in this league and he didn't get to play like a star last year because you look at kind of where their offensive line situation is and this year, you know, he is a star player, but he's really part of a of a larger. Uh, you know, this this offense is not just about one guy. It, it, at its peak, it was about Daniels and Shaw and Neal and uh, that rece- you know the receiving core as well. It, and now it is, and they do a great job distributing the ball. This was a game. They said, "All right, we're off a of bye week. We're all fresh. We have a wounded animal coming to us." I thought the game plan was great. They hammered the rock. Even Jason Bean ran the ball pretty well. He had a nice, consistent game. Usually you'll see Jason Bean games where it's like, you know, uh, he'll be like 18 for 23 for like 260 with three touchdowns and two interceptions. In this game, 18 for 23, 203, two scores, 93 uh, rushing yards on four carries, touchdown. We saw that speed in the 73-yard run, that track legit te- the Texas track, Texas high school track, you know, third place, third fast in the state tr- type speed that we saw. And the fact that Kansas is at a point right now where their backup quarterback, and I know, look, overall, his record's not very good. Eventually they were going to get one, but their backup quarterback who has played pretty well this year led them to a dominant victory to secure bowl eligibility with three games left in the season. All of those qualifiers show you how well that the, the job Lance Leipold has done is. I mean, it's just he has done a fantastic job, and this thing could have cratered and really fallen off the tracks. Think about that TCU loss Kids close. The Oklahoma game, never really that close in the end, although it was 10. The Baylor game, they were able to make it close, but just not there, and it felt like things were heading in one direction. Well, their, their bye came at the perfect time. And now they've got a chance to get themselves a bit of momentum. They're at Texas Tech next week. Not an easy game. But with Tech's quarterback situation, it feels like that is a game that is definitely now winnable for the Kansas Jayhawks. I don't think they're just content with six. Short celebration, it's great. But if Jalen Daniels is coming back, you're going to tell me that team is sitting on their laurels thinking, thank God for six. Uh, you know, no, they're they're not going to be saying that they're going to be going for more. And there's a lot left on this bone for them at Texas Tech, home for KU at Kansas State. Difficult games. Sure. But we saw it in Texas last year. Um, that that game is super spicy, especially if KU can win this week. They get the seven three and they they host Texas next week. Oh, boy. everybody's has been talking about that game Uh, just because, you know, the reminder of where it is and especially if Texas beats TCU this week and kind of puts themselves in a great spot, you know, they're going to have to win that game, it feels like, against, uh, against Kansas to, you know, keep where they are in, in the Big 12 standings, keep up the title themselves for, t- you know, title appearances. That game gets really interesting. So I'm fired up to watch the rest of the season for Kansas. And then for Oklahoma State, just feels like they're out of gas. Um, they, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think they emptied the clip in the, in the Texas game. That's what it felt like to me. Um, and, and that was, that's a huge, obviously difference maker now for them. All right. Baylor stays alive. This was a fun big 12 football game, but it was not, a, you know, it was fun back and forth. Rock em, sock'em robots with scoring, but it wasn't all about the passing game. This was about running the football. Now, Dylan Gabriel did throw for you know 260, but he did throw three interceptions this game. That was one of the big differences. But look at how these teams ran the football. We knew that Baylor was going to establish it in this game because of, well, number one, that's what they do, the wide zone. Number two, that Oklahoma rush defense is still one of the worst and it's still the worst in the league. 48 carries for 281 and five scores. And Richard Reese banged up. Uh, Squirrel Williams, 25 carries. 192, two touchdowns. Quaylon Jones, two t- uh, a, a touchdown. Jordan aver got three for 33 and a score, baby. Richard Reese did get score earlier in the game. You know, these guys, they just have a lot of depth at running back, and they're good at the offensive line, uh, Baylor is. And they were able to just ride that to a victory. And look, I know Blake Shaven had the turnover, but but Dylan Gabriel made more mistakes. He threw three interceptions in this game, and that was the decider. One more word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for football and basketball betting. You can find the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-the-minute scores. For every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf, you guys head to betonline and betonline.net today. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Oklahoma outgained them. They had 500 total yards of offense. You know, they threw for 7.7 and they ran for 5.3. On the ground, but the three turnovers are big because it flipped the time of possession. It gave Baylor extra opportunities to score. And you know, you think after that, like that's all that that team does. You can't keep making mistakes like that. Baylor got seven, let's see, then three, and then I'm looking after the next interception. Yeah, they, they, they were able to capitalize off those turnovers. They scored 10 points off those turnovers. And ultimately, you know, you look at those 10 points. I mean, what was what was Baylor up late in this game when OU got, went and got that late score? They were up 10, right? So those those turnovers end up really being the difference. Those extra possessions, those extra 10 points is what allowed Baylor to put themselves over the top. Now, I know there was a tip ball and then a question about pass interference on one of them, but still, it wasn't like Dylan Gabriel had a great day. That that one that he threw to the guy that was a questionable pass interference the guy was draped all over him. There's no reason for, for Dylan Gabriel to be making that throw. That Oklahoma defense still has so much it has to correct. They're not all the way, all the way there yet. So they turned the corner a little bit. They got themselves back to five and three. But Baylor is just playing a bit better right now. After that West Virginia game, it seems like they've corrected things. A really impressive performance on the road against Texas Tech. Followed up by a really impressive performance on the road against Oklahoma, doing what you had to do to get the job done. Their offense, uh, you know, it's it's been very effective. It's almost been more effective, though, as they kind of toned back the Blake Shapin experience. I know he was throwing the ball all over the place against West Virginia until he got knocked out of the game, but the tech game, he managed the game pretty well. Here, he really didn't, they didn't put too much on his plate, I thought, despite the fact that he had the interception. And that was the big key. Forcing the turnovers, running the football. And I'm I'm telling you guys this again. Blake Shapen looks like he's 2021 Spencer Sanders. He's managing the game. Uh, They're running the rock. And their defense is making some plays right now. It's not a 2021 Baylor defense. It's not the 2021 Oklahoma State defense, is my alarm. It was off middle of the show. I hate to see that. Uh, It's neither of those things at this point in time. But but it's it's still effective enough if they keep forcing turnovers to get the job done huge test for them this week they host kansas state coming up this saturday night so fired up for that game last one we will get to iowa state finally gets their first conference win they were due this win and they get it done hunter deckers i thought was like very very solid in this game and you can't say that for the most part about him this season they ran the ball very effectively at least for iowa state standards something I they have not done this season and guess what their defense was fantastic jt daniels had a horrible day they had to bring garrett green in west Virginia is banged up i mean you lose cj donaldson for the season tony mathis didn't play either so it's just justin johnson and then they had to run garrett green a good amount as well that's a depleted team it's a west virginia team it's not saying they're mailing it in but i mean their season is you know It's kind of, it's over at this point. I mean, they're, they're three and six on the year. They've got Oklahoma, Kansas state and at Oklahoma state left for them. I know two of those are at home, but does it really feel like they've got anything left in the tank for anybody at this point in time? I I just don't think they do. Uh, And once again, I've made my, my point clear about Neil Brown, but Iowa state credit to them for getting on the board. And I'll tell you this guys, they have an interesting stretch coming up. They're four and five. They've got at Oklahoma State, so we'll see what the Garrett Rangel, Spencer Sanders, Gunner Gundy situation is. They've got Texas Tech at home, and they've got TCU on the road. If they win these next two, they're they're going to go, they're going to be bowling, right? And uh, that would be really impressive because I do not think this team's very good. It's going to be tough to do, but I think this team actually has a chance. I think they actually have a chance to go bowling. And look, they're not better than Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State's beat up. Their defense will travel well against probably use a a quarterback that we know uh, that is pretty young and Garrett Rangel. And, uh, you know, this Oklahoma State defense is not very good. So there's an opportunity there for maybe Hunter Deckers in the running game to kind of continue some positive momentum. So shout out Matt Campbell. They got that win. Uh, They needed that one pretty badly. All right, quick check in. On the other schools, BYU gets a huge win over Boise State this weekend. Did not catch much of this game, but I saw Puka Nakua had a big day, and BYU has been banged up. They have not played very well. So the fact they were able to get on the road and and beat a surging Boise State team, very impressive to me. Uh, SMU and Houston played a basketball game. uh, 77 points for Houston, or excuse me, for uh, SMU. Houston scores 63. I mean, look at the total yards in, in terms of offense in this contest. Houston had 710, SMU had 642. 9.8 yards per passing attempt uh for yeah, per pass uh for for uh, the Houston offense, 10.2 for Tanner Mordecai. And um I mean, yeah, this this game was absolutely bonkers. Clayton Toon finishes with seven touchdown passes and three interceptions. Tanner Mordecai threw for 379 yards and count them, count them, nine touchdowns. Nobody could stop anybody in this game, which made it fantastic and awesome. Uh, I I was able to see some of the highlights. It was nutty. Uh, UCF gets a big win on the road against Houston to set up a very important American clash next week uh, in the American Conference. It's going to be 3:30 on ESPN2. 7 and 2 UCF, who's 7 and 2, 4 and 1 in the league, taking on Tulane, who's 8 and 1, 5 and 0 in the American. This game has a chance of being a preview of the American Championship game right now. Cincinnati is still sitting there at 4 and 1, but UCF has the win over them. So this game is massive and you can shout out and thank the uh uh, the UCF Knights for beating Houston and kind of setting up this really pivotal, fun, exciting AAC matchup. And then last but not least Cincinnati with a workman like victory over to uh, over Navy uh, 20 to 10. So there you go. There's that. All right. That will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter four and one against the spread this week, picking big 12 games. That is a reason to follow me. I was, um, I was like, oh my God, I was like seventeen, uh, seventeen, 17, 17 and one until I finally hit that weekend. So it was great to have that. Uh, but make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LO Big 12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.